flagged it. One of my favorite texts is the one we're looking at today, um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Um, Turn with me to that passage as we have been singing for the Lord to reveal his glory. It is certainly our desire he would reveal his glory to us through uh, this ministry of his word today. I'll read the whole chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice the great contrast in these verses. Ministry through Moses, ministry through Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Uh, For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome come of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Minister to us, we pray, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us in many ways, using many different means. 
And it is possible for us to latch on to one particular way in which the Spirit sanctifies us so that we lose sight of other means that He uses. We have heard people say, for example, that they are obedient to God because they are afraid of the consequences of disobedience. Like a child, they will do what is right to avoid a spanking. There are even other, perhaps more sanctified, if you will, uh, ways of looking at how God works through the Spirit. And another is to being drawn by the beauty of God's law. We want to obey God because it is beautiful. We think of, of the second table of the law, the glory, the blessings of life, of, of rest, of faithfulness in marriage, of, of generosity with our stuff. It is a good thing. It is glorious to obey God's law. The Puritans, another way that we have been encouraged to pursue a life of sanctification, is the Puritans rightly uh, encourage us, call us, to preach the gospel to our own souls as they followed the Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. We are speaking to our souls here. Bless His holy name. First of all, forget not all His benefits. He forgives your iniquities. Praise God for that message. Another appropriate way for us to pursue godliness is the command in Scripture to put off unrighteousness and to put on righteousness. And that is a good thing. It, however, can be misused because we can think of sanctification primarily as breaking bad habits and establishing new habits. And any social scientist can tell you that you can stop doing one thing and start doing another thing with any three-week period if you work hard at developing a habit. We want to be aggressively and intentionally dependent on the Holy Spirit and keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so we open the door for 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and in particular verses 17 and 18. The amazing teaching here that may even sound a little foreign to us, that as we look unto Jesus, as we gaze upon Jesus, the Spirit uses that exercise, that commitment to transform us into His image. There are, following Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, we do see slow and incremental changes in our hearts that even stagger the imagination. There is real change possible. As our passage says, you in your path of sanctification are going from one degree of glory to another. And that comes from the Spirit. It's almost shocking to us to consider what the Spirit is doing in us. So this morning, this simple idea, gaze upon Christ's glory and the Spirit will impart glory to you. Gaze on Christ's glory, and the Spirit will impart glory to you. 
I want to look at verse seven or verse eighteen and just and just look look at that phrase by phrase and see how the Lord works to bring about beauty in our sanctification. First of all, then gazing on Christ's glory. The command then gaze on Christ's glory. And even to make this phrase, we must realize that there are other things that capture our attention. Uh, What else wins your gaze? It can be to impress other people with your righteousness so that you look, at least you look, holy. Another is to be fascinated by wealth so that you can build a life of security. And that really is the concentration of your gaze. The Lord here says, the Spirit unveils your faith, which He had not yet done in Israel. Israel couldn't tolerate seeing God's glory. They couldn't gaze upon it. And so Moses had to put this veil over his face so that they would not see that glory that was temporary, that would one one day give away to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 29 says this, though, that to this day... The Lord has not given you a heart to understand or ears to see or eyes to see or ears to hear. They have not yet been given the illuminating power of the Spirit to see the glory of God. And you have. The Spirit uncovers your face and unveils your heart so that you can see God's glory. The Shorter Catechism uh, speaks of enlightening our minds and renewing our wills to embrace Christ. That is choosing Christ. That is marveling in the Son of God, who is the radiance of God, the exact representation of His nature. And to see this Christ is to see the Father Himself through the power of the Spirit. The Spirit unveils your face so that you see Christ who is unveiled. Jesus is is God's glory compressed into human flesh on display in this Jesus of Nazareth. And to see Him um, in your heart, as chapter 4, verse 6 says, is to know the glory. He gives us light so that we know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Well, what does that, what does that mean? Let's try to get specific on this. As we, as we observe Jesus um, in the Gospels, we notice several things about him. I'm just going to choose three. We notice, first of all, his compassion. We know that his, he expressed compassion that could be, could be known and felt by his audience. The crowds he observed as, as being harassed and helpless. They were sheep without a shepherd. And that helps us to say, wait a minute. When, I'm, when I am feeling that way myself, harassed by life, even broken down by life, to know that the Lord has compassion on me in my sadness... Um, in my weakness, uh, in my inability, uh, in my suffering, I, I can see, I can see the compassion of Jesus. I see also that he, he self-identifies the quality that he most identifies as, as which represents his heart is his gentleness. 
How does that help us? Remember what the prophet says, that, uh, that a bruised reed he will not break. He, he takes those who are broken down, like you and me, and he says, this one I can use. <laughs> if, if you're feeling like that bruised reed today, Rejoice! You're the one that God can use. He can, he can change. He can animate. He can fill with His Spirit to do marvelous things that constantly gives glory to God. Have you, have you experienced His gentleness? Have you experienced His compassion? We also see his glory flashing in his eyes as he, as he rebukes the religious gamers of his day who were satisfied to appear righteous, but they, as Matthew 23 says, they're full of hypocrisy and full of unrighteousness. His eyes flash with, with righteous, um, glorious anger um, at the self-righteous. So our first question must be, as, as you open up God's Word, as you, as you listen to a message of the Gospel of Jesus, what, what, is, what is the Spirit revealing to you? It, it, is, it is the glory of Christ. Do you see Jesus in His Word? That the Spirit opens your eyes to see, even if in glimpses alone, but to see the living Word in the written word. May you and I be characterized by that statement that shows up in John 12 that the, the Greeks came to Andrew and they, and they said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. May that, may that animate your time in the word as an individual and, and family as we gather here in worship. Don't Commit yourself in the power of the Spirit not to open the Word without also marveling at Jesus Christ. Do not be looking simply for a rule to follow. Do not be looking simply for some doctrinal truth that while it is true, doesn't necessarily glorify Christ in your heart and life. Pursue Jesus in every page. Because the Spirit uses that vision of Christ, secondly, to transform you. I think, as I examine my own heart, as I examine Scriptures, and as I observe other people, I think that oftentimes we believe that sanctification is a self-generated process. It is something that we do if we are disciplined enough, if we spend enough time, we can change anything about ourselves. And the problem with this is picked up by John Owens in this comment on what he calls the, the decays of grace. The decay of grace in the human heart. There can be a deadness, a coldness, a lukewarmness, a kind of spiritual, listen to Owen, a kind of spiritual stupidity or senselessness comes upon us. And he says there is no better way for our healing and deliverance than by obtaining a fresh view of the glory of Christ by faith and then have a steady abiding upon it. Constant contemplation of Christ and His glory has transforming power for the revival of all grace. And he says, it is our only relief. So you pursue the glory of Christ. 
Now, on another mountain, not the mountain in which the Ten, uh, the ten uh, Commandments were given, but another mountain, uh, Jesus' glory was displayed. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And that word transfiguration uh, is the same word that peer, appears here in our text as, uh, as being transformed. Uh, metamorphosis is the English word that lies uh, behind that. Jesus was transfigured, uh, so his face shone like the sun, and even his garments were bright as light. And we see in Christ on the Mount of Figuration a peak into future glory. But what is breathtaking about our text here is that we are being transfigured, we are being transformed uh, into the same glory, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, who of us wouldn't give half the money we have in the bank to be able to see what's going on with Moses and the Lord on that, on that mount uh, in, in the book of Exodus? Wouldn't it be amazing to see Moses' face actually glowing so bright that it would have to be veiled? He was in the presence of God, after all. And yet we're amazed to read here that that is actually the ministry of condemnation and the ministry of death. It had no power to change you. And how much more, the contrast is, how much more glorious is the ministry of the Spirit which we enjoy that transfigures our own hearts and lives. It is, it is more glorious than God's tracing with His finger on tablets of stone, of, of stone the Ten Commandments. What is more beautiful than that is the Holy Spirit working into the folds of our own hearts such a love and obedience to the Lord that we display those commandments, not because they're written outside of us, but because they're written inside of us. The ministry that brings righteousness must far exceed in glory the ministry displayed on that Old Testament mountain. The Spirit transforms you. There are two, two ways. First, as we rebuke this idea of sanctification being self-generated, two things going on here I want to draw your attention to. First then, seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus exposes our imperfections. We're going to start there, our imperfections. No one achieves a clearer knowledge of self unless he has first looked upon the face of God in Christ. John Calvin. No one achieves a clearer knowledge of self unless he has first looked upon God. I go back to Luke 22. Um, I go back to um, Peter, um, who is in the process of denying his Lord, who is in the courtyard, just a few yards away. And Peter is denying now for the third time that he even knows the Lord. And then the rooster crows. And then Jesus turns and he looks at Peter. And the text indicates that Peter and Jesus locked eyes. 
Was it two seconds? It must have felt like two hours. As Peter was exposed as the one who had denied his Christ, Jesus even told him he would. He said, no, I won't. And he did it, and he's caught cold. Of course, in that moment of exposure, that shame, he goes out and weeps bitterly. I want to give you some strange news right now. Despair is not a bad thing. Despair is not a bad thing. To see yourself clearly in light of the glory and the beauty and perfection of Jesus. We could follow Peter right there, despairing of ourselves so that we can glorify Jesus himself. It certainly doesn't stop there, but it needs to start there. After seeing and experiencing that exposure, have you, have you felt it? Have you felt shame? Have you felt an, an just a, a stark awareness of ways in which you have sinned against God or hurt a brother or sister? But seeing and, and, and turning um, does then liberate. Seeing liberates or it frees us. I love this phrase from Michael Reeves. Only the love of Christ has power to uncoil a human heart. To untie it. To, to, to get rid of those knots so that, so that it can be whole. It can, it, can be, it can be whole again. And it is the kindness of Christ that attacks, attracts our hearts away from self to Him. Remember what Peter said, or what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, after you have turned, after you have turned, and that is the word repent, after you have repented, strengthen your brothers. Use, use this experience of, of redemption. I've come to you as the rescuer and the healer. I've come to you as your friend. And, and use that to strengthen your brothers and sisters. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, both in exposing us and also in rescuing us, that's where freedom is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Dear friends, have you caught Jesus' gaze? Have you caught His gaze? Sensing not only shame for what you've done wrong, but also as you repent, the glory of Jesus being the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1, the wisdom of God, that is, our, our, our holiness, our righteousness, our redemption. Have you been exposed but also liberated? I, I love what C.S. Lewis uh, says about, uh, about, uh, about the limitations of the call of duty. The limitations of the call of duty. He, he says a, a perfect man would never act from a sense of duty. A perfect man wouldn't act from a sense of duty. He'd always want the right thing more than the wrong one. Duty is a substitute for love of God and others, like a crutch, which is a substitute for a leg. Most of us need the crutch at times, but of course it is idiotic to use the crutch when our own legs, that is, our own loves, our own tastes, 
our own desires, our own compassion for godliness, can do the journey on their own. Hear me properly. I'm not saying that duty is a bad thing. I'm saying it has limited value in pointing us the way and calling us to a duty, but it is the Holy Spirit that enlivens us. This is what I want to do. I remember a phrase from John Piper years ago. Uh, Is it my duty to kiss my wife? Well, it is. But not that kind of duty. (laughs) We have freedom then by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've learned compassion from Christ. And so we desire, we are, 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 are committed to showing compassion to other people. We have experienced Jesus' gentleness, and so we have more gentleness and patience with other people. We have been horrified at our own self-righteousness, and so we have a a hot displeasure for our own prickly defensiveness, which remains in the heart. And we're learning to say, His righteousness is enough. I don't need to add my own to my record. Here, my friends, as we see Jesus, as we are are contemplating who He is and what He has done for us, the Holy Spirit is is kneading our hearts like a lump of of bread and kneading kneading that, uh, I was going to say gluten, but there's another word, yeast, (laughs) kneading that yeast into it so so that life is growing. Often he uses our suffering for that. But the Holy Spirit, even now, needing your heart through the Word and this vision of Christ so that you are moving from glory to glory. And that's the third point. Expect to move from glory to glory in this life. As I have loved to say, uh, following um, Herman Bavink, that um, your sanctification, our sanctification in this life, these, these little steps of glory that we're taking as we're, as we're learning to, to practice obedience and following the Lord through the power of the Spirit, they are actually the, the early stages of our final glorification. It's not two different ball games. It's just, it's just really early in the first inning. But it's the same thing, becoming more, uh, more like Jesus. What is promised, we get in incremental pieces now. Little by little, um, we are being transfigured. Little by little, we are being glorified in the image of Christ. From one degree of glory to another, our text says. Literally, it is from glory to glory. Do you often think about your sanctification that way? Do you often think about your life with the Lord that way? That, that He is forming in me um, heart and lifestyle that, that actually could be, can be qualified as glory, working in us, changing us, bending our wills so that it fulfills itself in the will of God. We do not yet see the glow of heaven. We are not yet having the glow of heaven on us. But we do see certain things happening. 
We do see our self-righteous judging of other people melting into gentle patience. Do you see that? Can you observe that? Can, can you, have you observed a, a cutting tongue that, that actually is now purposed to build others up and you're seeing that you're benefiting other people? They're actually changing. This is the glory to glory to glory that God is working in us by His Spirit. Moses' glory was, was covered up. They didn't want to see it, this fading, this glory that was going to fade away. Moses' his glory is fading. Yours is increasing. One day, one day, um, you will be like Jesus and listen to the rationale of 1 John chapter 3. You will be like Jesus because you will then see Him. And we see Him now in glimpses, energizing our life of holiness. Expect God's glory to win you over more and more, again and again. Expect God's glory to capture your heart and win you over more and more. Two simple examples of this that we see in the Scriptures. And one of them, one of them is in John chapter 5. And that is, it's, it's citing the, the circumstance that we can be so driven by the opinions of other people that God's voice is very quiet, very still, and very distant. It is what people say, or what people expect of us, or what, what we think they want from us, whatever it might be. We're thinking more about receiving glory or praise from people than we are from God. People's opinions, as time goes by, will matter less and less, and God's will grow more and more. This is what Jesus said. How can you believe? In other words, he's saying this is in conflict, this is in conflict with a life of faith. How can, you, how can you believe when you receive glory from people, but do not make every effort to receive the glory that comes from the only God? Do you see that? <laughs> what, wor- what world are you on if you are looking for approval from people and quieting the voice of God? And, and that grows then in this life of moving from glory to glory, from one degree of glory to another. God is mattering more than people. The, the other thing, ironically, this is a lesson that Moses teaches us from his struggle in, in, in Egypt. And that is that things matter less than God. You, that is another area, another way in which you are going from glory to glory to glory. That, that, that God matters more than things. What, what hymn uh, comes to mind? <laughs> the things of this world, world uh, grow strangely dim. Do you remember when they do? Do you remember when? In the light of His glory and grace. That's how it works. In the light of His glory and grace, the things that tracked our attention become uh, tinsel and, and a false shine. Moses taught us the lesson. He passed on the fleeting fix or the fleeting f- pleasure of sin 
Why? Because he considered the reproaches of Christ. I would rather know Moses speaking. I would rather know Christ and face the reproach of men, the punishment of men and women, than all the wealth and the treasures of Egypt. He's looking to his reward. Christians, you, you will not be satisfied with this life until you are fully satisfied in the life to come. Then you can take or leave the things that God gives you here. Expect God's glory to be winning you over more and more and more incrementally as you are stepping uh, through your life, finally to your death, and finally to face the judgment seat of God. And here's where finally the final judgment makes sense. If this has ever confused you, how is it that we're saved by faith and yet there's a final judgment? What is all that about? The Athanasian Creed puts it this way. Uh, you will be giving an accounting, uh, uh, give accounting of their, of their own deeds. What is done for good will, will, um, produce eternal life. What is done for evil will, will, um, will merit eternal fire. And you might, as I read that, you might think, well, that's just too works based. That's, I don't, I don't think, that's not what, that's not what Jesus talks about, is it? Well, well, let's, let's, let's check him out. See what he has to say. I tell you, Jesus said, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Now, make no mistake about it. Your works are never unhinged from faith. As Paul loves to say, faith works. Faith, when faith is there, works show up. In fact, faith is the power for our works. The basis for our acceptance is righteousness that is imputed, for, um, imputed to us, Christ's righteousness given to us. But the Spirit also imputes right, imparts righteousness. He builds it into you so that it, you prove that you're one of His. A, a, a picture came to my mind this week of, of you, of you standing before the Lord on that day. And he looks at the things in your life that are a display of the Holy Spirit working glory into your life as you've gone step by step by step. And I can imagine him saying to you and to me, what a marvelous thing the Spirit has wrought, has worked in your life. The judgment, the judgment having already occurred, on Calvary for you, the day of judgment will be a marvel. Christ marveling with you over the work of glory that he has done in your life. I couldn't have done that without you. Yeah, what a big difference that was from earlier on. You've, you've done great things and he's just got a smile on his face. Welcome, welcome, good and faithful servant. My, my question for you this morning then is, is hope, is this hope the trajectory of your life? Are you walking with Jesus, looking to him in such a way that you are confident 
that, that he will rescue you day by day and shower mercy and help and Holy Spirit strength upon you so that you can live for his glory. Do, do, are you seeing, can you identify areas in your life where, where you've seen these incremental steps of growth? That's what the Spirit says to expect. You are, you are being changed from glory to glory till one day, one day, it's a full glory. Do you see fruit that will cause Jesus to smile upon you on that day of judgment and say, blessing, son or daughter, for what the Spirit has done? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we are a humble people. We are a little people. And these words seem really big to us. But we ask that you would enlarge our hearts and enlighten our eyes that this is how we would walk. Eyes on Jesus. Experience his mercy, his call and being given over uh, to wholehearted obedience out of love for our, our Savior. Father, would you, would you grant encouragement to anyone here who finds themselves sort of locked in and unable to move and repeating the same things year after year, even decade after decade. We pray that you would not allow us to be discouraged, but to fasten our eyes again upon Jesus, that we would walk in obedience and in joy. For it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.